With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Mitzvah Daf Yud on page thirteen. We're going to begin eleven lines in. It's right in the middle of a piece, so let's get a little bit of background to what's going on here. We said in the Mishnah that if somebody finds a document and it's written on it that one person owes another person money, so we said that if in the document it's written that the person who's owed the money has the right to collect from pieces of land. So we don't return it. And we explain that the reason is because we're afraid that perhaps the document was written in a certain month, it says on it a date, but the loan itself didn't actually take place till a significant time later. And the ramification of that will be that any pieces of land that were sold in between the time that the document is written and the time that the loan actually took place will not be permitted for the person who lent the money to be able to collect from because the only pieces of land that are encumbered to this loan are those that were there when he lent the money. So we said that the person who's found this document should not return it to the people who are involved because we're afraid that perhaps the person who's owed the money will collect from a piece of property that's inappropriate for him to collect from. So we contrasted that with the fact that we find that there's a halacha, that if you have a lova, a borrower, who wants to write a document and the malvid lender is not there at the time, so we said it's permitted to do such a thing, and this ran us into problems because how could it be permitted? Because what's going to happen is if we don't have the malva, the lender, and the borrower together, so we don't know that the loan actually took place right now. So it's possible that you'll have this document written for a time much earlier than the loan actually took place. And what will happen is that the person who lent the money might try to collect from somebody who bought a piece of property from the borrower before the loan actually took place, which is illegal for him to be able to collect from there. So we explained that the reason that we're not afraid in such a case is because when do we say that a lova, a borrower, has the right to write such a document without the malva, the lender, being there? Only in a case where the document states explicitly that whatever is owned currently by the lova, by the borrower, is going to be encumbered to the loan even if the loan takes place later. Because if such a stipulation is made, so then even if the loan does take place later, so whatever is sold, even something that's sold before the loan, but after the document is written, will also be encumbered to the loan. Now this presents us with a problem, because what this means is that generally speaking, you always have the malva and the lover, the borrower and the lender present when the document is being written. And what that means is that when the document is written, the money is being lent. The only time that that's not true, the only time that they're not both there, when the love, the borrower is the only one present, even in such a case, it's written for him specifically in such a way that it's clear that even if the loan takes place later, all of the property that currently belongs to the borrower is encumbered to the loan. If so, how could you ever have a case, like the case in the Mishnah, where we're afraid that perhaps the document was written earlier, and the loan took place later, and therefore the person who lent the money is illegitimately trying to collect from somebody who bought a piece of property before the loan took place? Theoretically, we should never have such a circumstance. So the Gemara explained that while it's true that generally speaking, such a thing doesn't happen, since we're dealing with a document that was lost, that means that the person who had it wasn't careful about it. So we're afraid that perhaps in this particular case, it happened to be that the document was written without the malva and the lova, both the lender and the borrower being there, meaning it wasn't written concurrently to when the loan actually took place. And therefore, we have reason to be afraid that the lender will collect from a piece of land that he doesn't have rights to. Now, Abaya, we're about to read him, and he's going to say a different explanation as to the case where you have a lova, a borrower, writing a document without the malva, the lender, being present. Abaya, Omar, Abaya says as follows, Eidav if you have a document that's written with witnesses signed upon it, Zachinloi, so even if the loan actually takes place after the document is written, nevertheless, since you have such a strong document, it has these strong witnesses signed onto it, so therefore, from the time that the document is written, any property that belongs to the borrower will be encumbered to the loan, even though it takes place later. And even if you haven't explicitly written inside of the document that from the time the document is written, everything is going to be encumbered from the loan, even if the loan takes place later, 
despite that, since you have witnesses that are signed onto the document, it gives the lender the power to collect from anything that's owned by the person who's borrowing the money from the time that the document was written. Now the Gemara understands, at least in the first stage of the Gemara, that the reason that Abai was forced to say this is as follows. The Kashali has a problem. Since that we said if you have a document where you didn't explicitly write anything about the ability of the borrower to be able to collect from everything that he owns currently from the time the document is written, in such a case, unless the lender is there, we won't write such a document. So you wouldn't be worried at all in the first place to what we said before, that if you find a document that it might have happened, that such a thing happened, that they wrote it without the malva, without the lender being there, we can never think that that's never done. Now, as far as what Abayah will say, because any time that we have a document, so generally speaking, so a document always has witnesses signed upon it. So therefore, as soon as the witnesses are signed upon according to Abayah, even if they haven't actually lent the money now, still all of the property of the borrower is encumbered to the person who's lending the money. So in the Mishnah, we set a case where we don't return it to the people who are involved, even though the love, the person who borrowed, is admitting that this document is accurate. And we said that the reason is because we're afraid that perhaps the document was written earlier than the loan actually took place. So the question is, how could that apply according to Abaye? Because as soon as you have witnesses, and you always have witnesses in order for the document to be valid, so as soon as you have witnesses, we can never talk about a case where the document was written earlier, and the loan took place later, and the stuff that was sold in the interim will not be encumbered. It's always going to be encumbered. So we'll see this question later in the Gemara and its answer there as well. The Gemara continues, We're going to challenge Abayi's statement from the following Mishnah. If somebody found a lost divorce document, or a document stating that a slave is being freed, this is a document that states the will of a person who's about to die, Matana, a document stating that one person is giving another a gift, or receipts, so the person who found it should not return it to either party, perhaps it was written, and they were never actually given over to the party, was going to benefit from them. says, If he indeed had backed out, my Havi, who cares? You have just said that if you have witnesses signed onto the document, so from the time that the document was written, immediately, whatever zchus, whatever merit is contained within that document, it comes into effect. Sigmar answers no. When do we say that it takes effect? And it takes effect from the time that the document was written. Only if it got to the hands of the person who stands to benefit from it. But if it doesn't reach the hands of the person who stands to benefit, then we don't say that. So therefore, if somebody finds this document, we can't per se assume that it in fact got to the person who it was supposed to be received by. The Gemara challenges and Lamasnisin. So how does he explain the Mishnah? To Gotani, it says in the Mishnah as follows: Let's say someone found a document that says that one person owes another person money. So we said, if written into the document it says the person who is owed money can collect from a piece of land, so the person who found it is not supposed to return it. We establish what's the case talking about? When the person who owes the money, the borrower admits that this document is a valid document. So we said that the reason that we are concerned and we don't return it back to the person who is owed the money is because we're afraid that perhaps the document was written earlier than the loan actually took place. It's good according to Ravasi, which was the first explanation that we said previously, that the only possible case where you could have a love, a borrower writing a document without the malva, without the lender being there, and therefore it's going to be offset between the time that the document is written and the loan actually takes place, is only when you're writing in the document that the lender has written 
rights to collect from the time that the document is written, even if the loan takes place later. So then, So then we can say that the case in the Mishnah where you are not going to return the document is talking about where the document does not say on it that the person who's lending money has the rights to collect from the time that the document is written. Therefore, we have to be concerned that perhaps the document was written earlier, the loan took place later, and there's no rights to the person who lent the money to be able to collect from any pieces of property that were sold in the interim. So that's why we don't return the document. But according to Abayi, who says that if you have witnesses signed on a document, so as soon as a document is written, so the person who's lending the money immediately has full rights to all the property of the person who's borrowing the money, even if he hasn't actually lent the money till later. How can we have a case where you can't return the document? Because we're afraid that the document was written earlier than the loan took place. And we're afraid that the person who has lent the money is going to unlawfully take a piece of property. That's not true. Because every single time you have witnesses, and every single time time, the person who's lending has full rights to collect from a piece of property, even if it's sold before the money was actually lent. So I will answer you as follows. The reason that in the Mishnah that we say that you cannot return the document, the is for a different reason. It's because we're afraid that there was a payment and a trick. What does that mean? The following scenario. Ruven is planning to lend Shimon money. Shimon goes and has a document written with witnesses signed upon it that says that Ruven is lending Shimon money. Now, as soon as that document is written, all of the possessions of Shimon become encumbered to Ruvain. Now, they didn't actually borrow the money right away. Rather, what happened was a few months later, Ruvain lends the money to Shimon, as it says in the document. However, in the meantime, Shimon had sold one of his pieces of property. But that piece of property is indeed encumbered to the loan. Now what happens? Shimon goes and pays back Ruvain money. And Shimon says to Ruben, let's pull a trick, okay? We're going to bring this whole case to court, and you're going to pretend that I didn't pay you back, and then you're going to collect from one of the people that bought from me, and we're going to split the profits. So that's what we're concerned about. We're afraid that they're pulling some kind of shtick, some kind of trick, and therefore we say to the person who found the document, do not return the document. Now the Gemara says, according to Shmuel, so he holds that in fact we never are concerned that such a circumstance is taking place. People aren't that bad. So according to him, Michael Lemaymar. So how can we explain this? So it's very good if he holds like Ravasi, who says that the only time that we have a case where a lova borrower is writing a document by himself is only if the document says on it that the lender immediately has rights to any property that the borrower owns, even if the loan takes place later. So then we would establish that our Mishnah, when it says that you don't return it, it's talking about a document that doesn't say that. And therefore we have reason to be concerned, as we said previously, that perhaps the document was written in such a way that it was written before the loan actually took place, and then the person who's lending the money will be taking a piece of property that's not rightfully his. But Ishmael holds like a bay, the Amar Idav Bechasum of Zachinloi, who said that the only case that we have a borrower writing a document without the Malva, the lender being there, is only in a case where there are witnesses signed upon it. And therefore, as soon as our witnesses signed upon it, so the person who is lending the money immediately becomes entitled to any piece of property that currently is owned, even before the actual loan takes place. Michael Amemar. So, how can we explain why in the mission we don't return the document? Shmuel Mukil Masnisin Kishain Chayv Moida. So, Mara says it like this. That Shmuel will establish the mission is talking about a case where the person who borrowed is not admitting that this document is accurate. So Gemara says, that's so. If the person who the document says has borrowed is not admitting that this document is valid, so then we need to understand why does the mission say a case where the document doesn't say anything about taking from encumbered properties that we do return such a document? He's not admitting that this document is valid at all.
Nehidra, give him Mishadi. Well, it's true that by giving back the document, so he's not going to enable him to collect from anything which is encumbered. He's still going to be able to collect from something which is available, a piece of land that's still owned by the person who's borrowed. And it's not fair, it's not right. We don't even know if this document has validity. So Gemara answers Shmuel This is Shmuel according to his own reasoning. The Amar Shmuel Shmuel says Amar Hayy Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir used to say Shtar Chayv Shein by Achras Nachasim. If you have a document which is talking about a loan and it doesn't have anything written into it about collecting from a piece of property that was encumbered, Ein Gaivet Lemi Meshabdi Vilemi Menechari. So then you're not going to be able to collect not from a piece of land which was encumbered and not from a piece of land which is currently still available. So therefore, the person who's the love of the borrower is not going to end up losing out. So where it says, hold on a second, if it's true that the person who lent the money is not going to be able to collect anything from this document, so then why do we return it for? What does it help him? So says, the person who lent the money will be able to use the document as a cork. So Gemara says, If that's what we're talking about, so give it back to the person who borrowed the money, so the person who borrowed the money can use it for a cork on his bottle. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, The Leiva is not going to get this thing to use as a cork, because he's the one who said that this whole story never started, and this document is a whole joke to begin with. So if we're going to give it to someone, it's going to be to the Malva, the person who claims to have lent the money. Now, we've already turned to the Yigmila Mabez, page 13b, we're on the top line. The Gemara is going to offer a totally different explanation of the Mishnah now. We said in the Mishnah, if we recall, that there were two different shittas, two different opinions, as to whether or not if somebody finds this type of document that says on it that there's a loan that took place, whether or not it's necessary for the person who found it to return it. So Rabbi Meir said that it depends. If it says on it anything about the person who has lent the money, being able to collect from encumbered properties, so then we don't return it. But if it doesn't say that, so then we do return it. And the Chacham, the sages, said that no, that either way, you do not return it. So now, Amar Bilazer, Bilazer says, the case, this argument that we're talking about, is talking about where the person who claims on the document that was the borrower is not admitting to anything. The Rabbi Meir Savar, because Rabbi Meir then holds that if you have a document that doesn't talk anything about collecting from encumbered properties, so he holds that since that such a document will not be able to collect neither from encumbered properties nor from properties that are still owned by the person who borrowed the money supposedly, so that being the case, so it's okay to return the document. Because the person who's supposedly the love of the borrower is not going to lose out anything. Rabban and Sari, the sages say that either way you can't return the document. Why? Magvagavi. Because if we return this document, the person who has lent the money, according to the document, will indeed be able to collect from any properties that are available. That being the case, we cannot return the document. But if the person who, according to the document, has borrowed the money, he's admitting that this document is accurate, so everyone, in fact, will agree, according to Rabbi Lazar, that you will return the document, the person who has found it, and we're not concerned that perhaps there might have been a payment, and they're pulling this whole shtick, this whole trick, in order to be able to collect that of somebody who bought a piece of property, and then they're going to split this between the person who borrowed and the person who lent. Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan offers a different explanation of the Mishnah. This argument between Rabbi Meir and the sages is talking about where the person who the document claims is the borrower in this case, he is admitting that this document is correct. The Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir holds, if the document does not entitle the person who lent the money to be able to collect from encumbered properties, it's only from encumbered properties that he's not going to be able to collect from. But he can collect from pieces of property that are not encumbered, that are still available, that the person who has borrowed the money still has with him. 
And the reason he's able to collect from it is because he's admitting that he indeed owes this money. The Rabbanan Sarah, the sages hold, that even though the document doesn't say anything about collecting from encumbered properties, they still theoretically will be able to collect from encumbered properties. Why? Rashi explains, the Gemara is going to say later on, because even though it was left out, it was actually a mistake of the person who was writing the document. And generally speaking, this is something that is included in the document. So he is entitled to, to be able to collect from encumbered properties. And that's why the sages say that you can't return the document even if it doesn't say that. But if the person who has borrowed is not admitting, meaning he says that this document is not true at all, in such a case, then we don't return the document, because we take into account that it's possible that the person who borrowed the money has already paid back the loan. We have a brisa that's going to prove Rabbi Yechonon correct. It's going to show that Rabbi Lazar is incorrect in one respect, and it's going to prove that Shmuel is incorrect in two respects. So here's the brisa. It says as follows: If let's say somebody finds a document that says that talks about a loan on it, and it talks about the person who lent the money being able to collect from encumbered properties, properties that were sold in the interim, even if they're both admitting that this document is a real document, we do not return it to either one. As Rashi explains, because we're afraid that perhaps there's a kinunya, there's a trick, a shtick that's trying to be done over here that they already paid back the document and they're trying to collect again and they're going to split the money. But if the document doesn't say anything about collecting from encumbered properties, so if the person who borrowed is admitting that this document is real, so we can return it back to the person who lent the money. But if the person who has borrowed is not admitting, so we don't return to either one. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Because Rabbi Meir used to say, if you have a document that represents a loan, and it talks about the person who lent the money collecting from encumbered properties, he can. But if it doesn't talk about that, so then he would be able to collect from pieces of property that are still available on the part of the person who had borrowed the money. The sages say, that in both cases, in fact, you would be able to collect from properties that are encumbered. And that's even if it doesn't say anything about encumbered properties on the document. So therefore, so we're afraid, according to the sages, that even in a case where it doesn't say anything about encumbered properties, that they're trying to do a trade, they're trying to do a shtick, they're going to split the profits between them by trying to get that piece of property away from somebody who bought it in the interim. And therefore, we don't return the document in either case, according to the sages. So we said that this is actually going to disprove what Rabbi Lazar said in one of the statements of Rabbi Lazar. Amr, because he said that, Rabbi Meir, that according to Rabbi Meir, that if you have a document that doesn't say anything about collecting from encumbered properties, so you're not going to be able to collect from encumbered properties and not even from properties that are available. And he also said that whether according to Rabbi Meir or according to the sages, we are not going to be concerned about a kinunya, about a trick. What does it say in the Brisa? If you have a document that doesn't talk about collecting from encumbered properties, it's only from encumbered properties that you don't collect from. But you would collect from pieces of property that are available right now. And also says, Whether according to Rabbi Meir or according to the sages, we are concerned about a trick. Because it says, Even though both of them are admitting, you don't return it to either one. And it must be because the reason is because we're afraid of this. this type of trick. The Mar says, wait a second, this isn't just one way that we see not like a realizer, it's two different ways. The Mar answers on the top of 14a, really it's one way, because it's really one reason. That since a realizer says that the argument is talking about where the person who has borrowed is not admitting, that's why he's explaining it that way. 
So Rashi explains that what's going on here? That both of the statements of Rabbi Lazar that we said were being disproven, they really stem from one statement of Rabbi Lazar. The one statement of Rabbi Lazar was that we're talking about a case where the person who is accused of being the borrower is not admitting at all that he has borrowed. In such a case, that's where they're arguing about. Therefore, Rabbi Lazar said that when the document is returned, you're not going to be able to collect anything from that document. Then that was the first thing that was disproven. The second thing that was disproven is also a result of that statement. Because since he said that the case of the argument is talking about where the person who is being accused of being the borrower is not agreeing to the fact that this document is valid, so they will agree, according to Rabbi Lazar, both Rabbi Meir and the Chacham, the sages, will agree that in a case where the borrower is admitting to the validity of this document, in such a case, you will return the document in any event. So the only way that we could get it to be that you return the document in any event is because we don't think there's, there's going to be a trick that's going on. And that was the second thing that was disproven. But both of the things that we're disproving are both a result of the first premise of Rabbi Lazar. And that's why we talk about one concept of Rabbi Lazar being disproven. So we said that there are two disproofs of Shmuel. One of them is like the statement that he made, which was the same as Rabbi Lazar. Because he also said, that the case of the Mishnah is talking about where the person who is going to have an obligation, the borrower, is not admitting. What's the other one? Because Shmuel said, that if you find a document that states on it, that from the moment that this document is written, all property that belongs to the person who is being lent money to is already encumbered to the person who is lending the money, despite the fact that the loan might take place later on, in such a case, so Shmuel holds that you return this document. Why? Because we don't assume that it was paid off. So this statement is incorrect, it's disproven, because it says over here, even though both of them are admitting, you don't return it to either one. Alma, we can deduce, that we are concerned, we do assume that in fact, it's possible that it was paid off. And certainly over here, if the person who was borrowed is not admitting that this document is valid, certainly we have reason to assume that he already paid it off.